Hello and welcome to the Southern New England Ministry Network podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be continuing the Missional Shift podcast series where we're hearing from ministers and pastors about what God is leading them to do in their churches as they consider what does it mean to be missional in their communities. And on today's episode, we get to have Steve Hawley here with us. Steve, thank you for coming on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. So Steve, for some of us, we've gotten to know you over the past couple of years, and some of us maybe have yet to know you. So won't you give us your story, how God got you to where you're serving now uh, in five minutes or less? And that's a hard task, but give us a 30,000 foot view of, of uh, God's movement in your life. Well, um, I promise you won't, I won't take long, but uh, basically was born and raised in the church. I joke mm. with friends that I was born on a pew. But uh, it's not true. Um, somewhere around the age of four years old is my first memory of church life. Mm. Uh, and ever since, uh, raised by a single mom, and uh, she found um, just great uh, connection in church with community, with God. Um, really, Jesus is the anchor of her life, still is. Mm. And so we, you know, I've been in church my entire life, wow. uh, you know, 40-something years. So. Mm. I love the church. You know, I found, um, I found community. I found support. I found godly uh, male role models. Mm. Um, so, really love the church, and so it, beca- it was natural for me to pursue uh, church mm. in the sense of vocation wow. uh, and calling. Um, kind of always felt a pastoral call on my life. Um, so, as a young adult, I moved to Greenville, South Carolina, mm. where I met my wife and. Uh, we married and our children were born, but uh, I attended a school of ministry there mm. and, and worked through their program and got my bachelor's degree. Um, and in 1995, I became a children's pastor wow. in, in, in our church there. Um, 2003, I moved uh, here to Cape Cod. Hey. Yeah. Uh, the awesome guy in Tana Miller invited me up mm. and... Uh, Served with them as associate slash youth pastor for three or four years at Heritage in Falmouth. Mm. And then 2007, God opened the door for me to uh, go to Faith Assembly of God and Hyannis as mm. the lead pastor. I've been there ever since. So since my um, since my adult years, I've only been in three churches. Wow. Uh, three churches in 29 years. That's pretty amazing to say. Yeah. Yeah. So 11 years in South Carolina, the same church, and four years at at uh, Heritage, and now I've been at Faith 14 years now. So, wow. um, yeah, stuff's good. Wow. So that's that was my start in ministry and how I got here. Mary got three awesome children and two awesome grandkids and loving life. Wow. So it's, it's great context to hear that you've been in three places in 29 years. And so in that, right, and any time we spend more than a year in ministry, there's shifts that we feel, right? There's little mini shifts and there's big shifts, but... Um, I mean, 14 years here in Hyannis. And so tell me about this latest shift that's happened. Um, tell me what were some of the indications in your life that something was beginning to change? How did you know that, hey, God's calling me to do something different? And if you're comfortable articulating some of the, what those things are, but yeah, give us the idea of what were some of the indications that shift was coming. Sure. So my first decade at, at Faith, super grateful for uh, Nick and the team here at Snemmon um, inviting me and in the early years paying for uh, going off on retreats or conferences and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And uh, I attended Catalyst, I think for 10 years in a row, mm-hmm. uh, just loved it, soaked it up, got ideas, the fellowship with other ministers. I got a lot of friendships today because we traveled to Catalyst wow. together, um, but adopted many of the principles you, I, I learned there in, in mm-hmm. pastoring. But 
I would say some somewhere 11, 10, 11 years in, um, I started to grow tired. Hmm. And not just physically tired, that was a piece of it, um, but started to grow tired of of the approaches. Um, started to grow tired of things like the need to keep all the plates spinning. Wow. Um, just felt like my life consisted of running around and and spinning spin that plate so it doesn't fall down and crash, spin that Mm. plate. Always felt like I had to have my hands on everything. And if I relaxed for, for a season and didn't give something attention, it would generally fall apart or stop moving forward Mm. and started recognizing this and just grew tired, tired of that. Um, I go tired of, of working the traditional approach, um, to church that we've been taught and getting little to no results. Mm. Um, you know, what I mean by traditional is uh, the attractional model that many of us subscribe to. I don't mean seeker sensitive, but the attractional model, which says, um, emphasizes the building and location and what it looks like, um, programs, uh, polished services, events, mm. um, you know, the idea of encouraging the congregation to bring your friends here, just that attractional type model and, and was working that hard, mm. you know, and seeing very, very little results. And then also the traditional aspect of pastor as kind of like the sole visionary and CEO of the organization, mm. you know, had to carry the weight of that and give leadership to every single arena. And, um, I just, I just wasn't seeing results anymore. Mm. I, uh, it didn't seem, um, I don't want to use the word biblical, uh, but it didn't seem like it, it matched uh, mm. what I read in scripture, just the amount of energy it was taking for me personally. Um, and then how slow progress was in dealing with the same cycles in church life of mm. growth, decline, growth, decline, growth. And um, so I just grew tired of all of that. That mm. was a huge, huge shift for me. And so at that season, I noticed I was growing tired physically and mentally and emotionally and I started recognizing there were a large burnout in pastors, um, mm. either burnout or moral failure. Yikes. And um, moral failure, I think, is due just to those pressures and demands of ministry and no outlet and, mm. and lack of self-care. Hmm. So I started reading because I've committed, I'm not going to be one of those guys mm. and I'm going to do whatever it takes. So I started reading and I read a lot. Uh, Paul Tripp's Dangerous Calling, mm. um, Judah Smith's How Is Your Soul, mm. Uh, Gordon McDonald, Building Below the Waterline, mm. Henry Nowen, uh, Making All Things New and Reflections on Christian Leadership. Those are those are five books there that um, just really started notice I need to take care of myself, mm. you know, a self-care kind of piece. And so that led up to me taking a sabbatical. Wow. And it, I mean, it's amazing that you, you identify this thing, that there was an internal thing that was happening in you that led you to evaluate the things in which you were pouring your energy into, which was the church ministry, the context, and how simultaneously it's two pieces of clarity coming, like, hey, I'm not where I want to be. This may not be what I want to be doing. And that's, uh, they're doing it this way, maybe, is you know, and that's, that's pretty intense. Um, there was definitely a conflict for me because I didn't want to, I recognized, um, and, and dangerous calling, you know, uh, confirmed my what I felt was just this recognition that a lot of pastors either burned out 
died early because they didn't take care of themselves, mm-hmm. had broken families, kids who didn't love the Lord, or any of those kinds of things. And, and I was committed personally to try to not go down that path, mm-hmm. but found that what it took in the current context and model of ministry to keep the church going at the level we wanted it to, I had to choose one or the other. Wow. And I felt like that was the tension that I don't think that God wanted. Mm. And uh, and that that's really what launched me to explore, hey, something's, something's got to give. Something wow. has to change. Mm. So. Yeah, that's a tremendous moment of clarity, right? Like something, one of these things is going to crumble. And I think we can find healthy ways to do them both, but realizing like, hey, at a certain level, we've got to figure this thing out. So... Talk to me about some of the questions you were asking yourself in this particular moment. Like, what were what were some of the clarifying things that helped you understand um, what do I do with all of this? Yeah, so I started just going. I, th- I know God would want me to be a healthy minister, hmm. and I know God would want me to be a healthy husband, father, personal, just person. And so I'm feeling this conflict. So something's out of whack here. Mm. And so I begin to ask the question, what does God expect of me versus what does society expect of me? Mm. Or even necessarily the, uh, to narrow that even down is what is what the church expects of me? Because mm. maybe the church is expecting something from me that God's not expecting. Mm. And so that was one big question for me. What, what does God expect? Because um, at the end of the day, he's the one I want to be pleasing yeah. to. <laughs> And that's a good place to start, right? Like a lot of people think other things like, oh, what do I, and to say, what is, what does it mean to be a successful uh, leader in this, in this moment? And then Uh, look, just how do I balance all this? Like, I know mm. I'm called to be a pastor. I know I'm called to be a husband. I know I'm called to be a healthy individual that um, isn't strangely, you know, um, so how do I balance all these things? Mm. How much time, energy, devotion um, do I give to each of these? And if I'm realizing that I'm giving an inordinate amount of attention to uh, church life, am I okay with the church not moving or growing as fast as I want it to because I'm not giving it the attention? Mm. Some would say it needs. Mm. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And those conversations are difficult to have because there's pressures that are affecting them from the exterior Absolutely. always, right? There's, there's people who are saying, hey, we need to be doing more. We need to do this. And so tell me about that stage. So you, you come to a moment where you say, Something's got to give. Something's got to change. I believe God's calling us elsewhere. Tell me how you walk that out with the church. What were some of the early conversations? What did this shift mean for the community that you were leading? Yeah, so I think first the shift had to happen in me. Mm. So um, I took sabbatical just for that reason. Mm. Uh, And I'd recommend anyone who hasn't taken one. I didn't feel like I needed one. I wasn't tired to the point where like, if I don't take a sabbatical, I'm going to quit kind of thing. It wasn't. Mm. It was just realizing that I was stuck in the um, uh, wash, rinse, repeat cycle of church life. Wow. And so I wanted to be awakened. My awe of God, I needed to awaken again. So I I did some purposeful things on my sabbatical that awakened that awe within me. Mm. Um, And then the last month of my sabbatical, I intentionally uh, went to CTS in Belgium Mm. because I wanted to see, I I had come to the, realization that New England is a post-Christian environment. Mm. And I wanted to see how they did ministry in a post-Christian place. Wow. And so I went to Belgium and I, um, CTS was a wonderful school, stayed on campus, mm. went to church on the weekends and had great conversation with students who were being trained in ministry. And wow. 
and began to realize um, some of the things I saw there, there was a shift there. It peaked that, hey, we need to do some things different. One of mm. those things that God really spoke to me was uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Mm. And that was the whole scripture that God has given the fivefold ministers to equip the saints to do mm. the ministry. And it, it realized in my mind, man, I haven't been equipping saints. I've been doing the ministry. Wow. And they've been recipients of the ministry, but I'm not equipping them to do ministry. Mm. And so that began the conversations when I got back with our church. Like, I remember first being like, hey, I'm not doing ministry anymore. Mm. I'm going to equip you to do ministry. Wow. Um, that must have been a wild moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm blessed that I have I have leaders in my church, Previous, uh, a few previous pastors, mm. uh, you know, a few guys who are... Um, already, already have credentials at different levels. And so I think on their end, it was um, uh, maybe probably a little bit of excitement on their end. Like, mm. yeah, fine. Maybe, maybe they've been waiting for me to catch up, you know? Right. Maybe <laughs> so, this is the thing we've wanted to do for so long, but now. Finally, yeah. pastor has seen the light, you know? Wow. So um, it generated some excitement. Mm. You no, know, uh, hey, we think this feels right. This looks, wow. this looks right. Because we have those conversations on leadership teams. Mm. What can we do to see the church grow, be more effective? You know, all those kinds of conversations. And this one just, um, well, one, it was biblical, mm. you know, Ephesians chapter four, you can't argue with the Bible. Mm. You can, you're just not going to win. <laughs> 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 but, um, it, so it just felt right. It felt like, yeah, this yeah. is a shift that our ch we need to move through. And um, I think that's amazing, right? Because I think some, maybe some of us are holding on saying, I can't do this because it's not going to be received well, but to find out in your circumstance, it felt right to the people and it just needed someone to spearhead the vision of that and to give them the clarity that, Hey, this is what we're supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be equipping you to do ministry. We're all supposed to be involved in doing this, this, uh, gospel effort. And so I wonder, right? Like how many churches, maybe there's people who are just waiting. Yeah. And, and I want to speak to that for a minute because, um, there's an element in, it, it, it's messy. It's messy today. Mm. I mean, mm. it, it's not, things aren't functioning the way we want them to. Whenever you start shifting and transitioning things, people, someone's some got to pay. Yeah. Some people aren't happy with it mm. and they move on. Some people are excited, but then they don't know what to do and big holes in the ministry. Like, mm. uh, so we begin to release people and say, listen, if you, uh, if that's not what you feel called to, if that's not your passion, mm. we don't want you doing it. Mm. Because it comes out, I mean, all of us have had uh, the unique experience of having a Sunday school teacher, a kids' church teacher who didn't like kids, mm. right? And <laughs> and how does that glorify God in any way, shape, or form? Mm. They're just a warm body filling the spot, right? <laughs> but but the least adults can hear, you know. So mm. we just released, like, if, you, if this isn't your passion, like, we don't want you doing it. We want wow. to figure out what you're passionate about, what God has uniquely gifted you for, and then empower you and release you in ministry around mm. that. So that leaves huge gaps wow. in ministry. and But I saw it to say this, um, it's a risk. Mm. But the reality is the Holy Spirit and the power of God shows up when risks are taken. Mm. When we play it safe and mm. we... And, and we become basically, uh, we cater to insurance. Like, no, I'm just going to take the safe way. I don't want to lose people. I don't mm -hmm. want to, I, I want to minimize my losses. And we take a safe approach to things. Uh, we can't really, we can't really expect the power of God to move in our lives mm -hmm. and keep us on, uh, at that place. Uh, I was reading this morning, my devotion in numbers where, where 
the cloud moved and the Israelites only moved if the cloud moved mm. and imagine that lifestyle wow. of like, I'm camped out here until the cloud moves. Well, what is that going to be? I don't know. Mm. Whenever God tells us, but I think that that's an exciting place to live mm. in that aspect too. Like we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we get to see the power of God. Mm. And I think if we are afraid of risk, if we're afraid of the unknown, if we're afraid to stir the pot, so to speak, we're never going to experience that power or level of, of God that we're looking for mm. if we just play it safe. Mm. So, yeah, no, that's, that's helpful because it helps identify, I think the risk is worth the reward in most of these situations, yes. right? To say that moving, uh, and similarly, right? Imagine what it was those moments that they woke up and the, the cloud had moved. Yeah. Pack it up, boys. It's time to go. But to realize like, hey, God's moving somewhere. And to have that response to say, when he moves, we move. And right. what does that mean today? And think of the people like the, the woman who's in the middle of childbirth and the cloud's moving. Mm. Like, what do we do? Like mm. the guy who's in the middle of shearing his sheep, the cloud's moving. Like, oh my gosh, I got to stop. Like, there's a lot of pieces that that's, are complicated in there, but- um, That's good they, clarity. They valued the cloud. They valued, yeah. the, you know, so anyway. And so, so talk to me about how, how did you deploy this, right? Because I think similarly, if you recognize, like you're saying, that it is a personalized, there's a lot of individual messiness that needs to be dealt with in these moments. So how did you, how did you approach sharing the vision? How did you approach- was it individual conversations? Was it teaching from the pulpit? Was it a class? How did you go about deploying this with the, the, the community? Yeah, so we're in the process of that now. Mm. So uh, I think the wise approach is you gather your leaders mm. first. You know, um, I've made the mistake in the past of just standing up and preaching and not not talking to key people in the church or leaders. Not that I'm getting their permission, mm but want to make sure that they understand what God has spoken to me mm. and they're on board with that and they can ask questions and I'm a verbal processor. So when I talk to somebody about something and they ask questions back, it actually helps me uh, with my clarity mm. of thought and direction. So um, I, I involved them. I called them around the table and said, Hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is where I, direction I feel God's, God's moving us. Um, tell me what you guys think, you know, mm. and, and love and value your leaders. Mm. Um, I know sometimes we can get in environments where we feel like it's a us versus them, pastor, leadership team kind of stuff. But um, uh, if your leaders love Jesus and they love the local church, um, it's a good place to be. They're going to help move the mm. whole body forward instead of, uh, um, I don't want them to enable me to make a, a drastic mistake, you know, mm, you know, mm. so just gathered them. And then once they're on, uh, understand what God has put in my heart and they agree and it all resonates with them. Then as we begin to have conversations on a church level in this preaching of the sermons and in the vocabulary we use, um, it becomes, if people have questions, uh, they will, um, inevitably if they're asking a leader, leader say, Oh, let me help you understand that. Cause mm. they've already had conversations in the back room. And for us, what we did, we started off with a, uh, a, a conference, a weekend conference on wow. discovering your strengths. Mm. And so we just um, encouraged every single person in our church to sign up for it. And um, there's a guy in our church who's gifted and, and uh, trained in discovering those things. He does it for, for companies. That's his, his work. Wow. And we just came and we said, hey, what are you good at? Mm. You know, if you're bad at something, we want you to... We're not talking about moral things. We're just skill sets. Like, mm. just put those aside. Let's focus on what you're good at. Mm. Let's let's uncover that. And so that generated some excitement. Mm. 
on the church level. Like, who am I? What am I good at? Um, and now we're asking the questions, okay, how can you use that for God's kingdom? Mm. Yeah, so it kind of goes with the, this thread that's been behind this whole story you've been sharing about releasing people for the kingdom of God and feeling released yourself to be able to do the thing that God is calling you to do. And yeah. and uh, tell me where that's been difficult, where, where that's been harder than you thought it was, or where do you feel like it's required more trust of God than it has in the past to release ministry to other people? Yeah, I think the, the hard part is, first it was, this is going a lot slower than I thought it would. Mm. You know, this is taking more time. Um, but then I, I sit back and I realize, I mean, I've been wrestling with this since the end of 2018. Wow. So how can I expect a church to understand it in six months? Or, mm. You know, yeah. uh, so <laughs> give them some grace, you know. Yeah. Uh, so th- I think that was a struggle to push back. And then it's, I think the thought process is so un- different from what we're trained. Mm. And of course that our church people are trained as well, because when we do things a certain way for years and years and years, or uh, they just think that that's the model how you're supposed to do. So when I, you know, when I tell a kid's church work, like, listen, if you don't like kids quit, mm. you know, uh, like, or you start to realize somebody's really good, um, we have a woman in our church who loves horses. Hmm. And so begins to say, well, listen, how can you use your love of horses for the kingdom of God? Hmm. Well, I can't do that. Well, yes, you can. Hmm. Like, but how do I volunteer? How do I bring horses to ch- church? And like, <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't have to be on the property. Wow. So we start having these conversations of releasing hmm. people into our community that that our Sunday morning service is no longer attractional in the sense of we, um, I love Andy Stanley's model. Like they want to be a church that unchurched people love to mm-hmm. attend, but we shifted and we said, listen, Sunday morning is going to be for the church member. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously if someone's not, they're welcome, but, um, this service is going to be to empower mm-hmm. and to feed and to encourage with the expectation that you're going to engage people in the places you live, work, and play. Wow. Um, and so we're putting the onus back on the individual congregation members to say, mm-hmm. hey, this is what it means to be a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, that our times together are times that are enriching and encouraging and empowering, but there's an expectation that you're going to live this life outside these four mm-hmm. walls. And and the things that you're good at, you're passionate about, sports, horses, games, whatever it is, uh, you're going to use that mm. and leverage that to have conversations about Jesus. Wow. That's amazing. Right. And it's, and so tell me about the opposite side of that. So if, if, um, tell me about a moment when the lights came on for somebody, when they were released into ministry, what did that do for you? What did that do for the individual? Um, yeah, when the lights came on for them, they said, Oh yeah, this is what this could be about. And I really, yeah. Tell me when it's gone. Well, yeah, I have uh, a gentleman in our church, um, who is, he's on the leadership, our leadership team as well. Uh, he's the president of his uh, homeowners association. Mm. And, and he was like, you know, um, I've always viewed that that's a potential place of ministry. Mm. But in church life, his gift sets were always wanting to be used on the church level of things. Mm. And so we just began to have conversations over lunch about how could he view himself as a pastor to his HOA. Wow. Like how can he conduct himself in such a way? 
um, I forget who the author was, but um, I, I, I steal the quote, living a questionable life. Mm. Like, are you living a questionable life? Like, are they asking questions like, why do you live that way? Mm. You know, and, and so now he feels when he has his uh, HOA meetings, he doesn't go in there as just like, oh, this is something I have to do. It's like, where are the connections I'm going to make, the friendships I'm going to have mm. um, so I can impact people for Jesus? And it's exciting for him now. Yeah, right. That's tremendously freeing to say. I don't have to bend my giftings to fit into a stage model, right? Like I, if you're not, you don't have to be the preacher. You don't have to be whatever that fits on a stage. You can be something else and let God work in and through that way. And maybe so, uh, so that's exciting to see how people can be empowered in that way. Um, so any of these shifts, right, they come with a journey. It seems like yours began even way back when, and when you began your ministry and to think about how God has brought you to, what has this particular shift done for your own spiritual life? Walking through this latest one, um, yeah, how has this affected you, Steve? I think it's affected me because, uh, you know, I realize, um, maybe a lot of people realize this, but I have a unique personality. And I think from day one of being a lead pastor, I didn't, I felt like I was living in someone else's armor, like David mm. and Saul. Like when Saul, David realized, Saul, I can't wear your armor. Mm. Um, and I think for me, uh, this has, I've been able to shake that off and say, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lead the church in the way that God has gifted me. And, and I'm not, I don't need to adopt somebody's, you know, seven ways to be a, the perfect pastor kind of <laughs> approach. You know, <laughs> this is who I am. God has called me to this community of mm. people. So they, God must know that who I am is what this community needs. And mm. so I'm just going to be who I'm going to be. Uh, and I don't mean that in a, in a moral or like I have nothing to learn or any of those kinds of mm. things, but, but how I'm uniquely gifted and, mm. and who I am. And so that has been incredibly freeing for me to just, um, shake off the expectations, wow. uh, not necessarily of my congregation, but, uh, church general expectations. Like you're supposed to act a certain way or be a certain way or, um, and, and operate in my strengths. Mm and then look for other leaders around me who are strong where I'm not strong. Wow. And as a team, lead, lead the church in hyenas. Mm. Um, and so what that's done is, uh, you know, shift for me. I, I love, I connect with God outdoors. Mm. And it's freeing me up to pursue what that, what that looks like and what that means. How can I help other people figure that out mm. that feels similar ways so I share the pulpit, mm. uh, you know, start off with just once a month. I didn't preach. I shared it with uh, one of the leaders and that'll ramp up, you know, to every other time. So I might only preach 20 or 25 times a year mm. instead of the majority of the year. Uh, and some people say, well, I was always advised it's not healthy. Mm. You know, a pastor needs to be in the pulpit. And, and, uh, I think in the old model, that's true. Mm. But I, there's a lot of voices in my church that God speaks to that's different wow. that the congregation needs to hear from. And, it, and this is where the messy part could happen, that maybe we do a podcast six months from now to see how it went. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? The congregation needs to learn how to receive from other people other than just one person in the pulpit. Mm. Uh, so. Wow. That's, that's intense. I mean, that's that comes at a cost. It comes at sacrificing some other things, right? Like. Yeah. 
but to see God use that in an awesome way to release you people to do ministry. Uh, so Steve, what would be your advice to someone who may be encountering a similar missional shift? They're in a moment where maybe they feel tired. They're in a moment where they're saying, I don't know if I could do this again, rebuild the church and make it grow after COVID. What would be your advice to someone who's questioning their missional effectiveness right now? Yeah, I would say if you're tired, um, embrace that. Mm. Don't, um, don't shake that off or think that there's something wrong with you. There were times I, I felt like I was crazy in a bit. Like, mm. is there something wrong with me? Why am I seeing things this way? Am I just dissatisfied with people? Is it time for me to leave ministry? Like all these thoughts go through your mind. So I'd advise you take a, take a break. Mm. Um, in hiking, uh, and I know Nick quoted this, but uh, in, in hiking, you know, when you're, when you're tired, you, you have three options. Mm. Stop, take, take and rest, mm. lighten your load, or slow down your pace. Mm. And so any three of those are an option. Wow. So you find a comfortable pace to which you can breathe normal. Mm. And so, but you're still moving forward. And so for me, in all honesty, I canceled everything but Sunday morning service. Mm. I just preached Sunday, called and loved on people. And that was the pace I could do at the time mm. um, without, without losing myself, so to speak. Wow. And you know what? That's okay. Mm. And if, the, if it's not okay with, with church folks, then they need to step up mm. because it means you're, you're handling way more than you need to. Mm. You're doing more than God's asking you to do. So, I would I would say do one of those things. Stop and take a break. You know, take a sabbatical or vacation. Um, uh, lighten your load. Mm. Slow down your pace, but don't wow. stop. Don't stop the journey. Mm. You know, you're on a journey. God's called you to this journey. God's calling wasn't. Oh, now there's a pandemic. My my calling, you know, is rescinded because mm. we're in a pandemic. Like, uh, so it's just a time to re rethink. Um, that would be my advice. And then lean into it. What is God? These things get our attention. Mm. And sometimes God allows things to get our attention so that we begin to think differently mm. and uh, be willing to take the risk, mm. um, in, in, you know, in a right way, not just jumping off the side of a mountain kind of thing, but, mm. but things are scary. There's a lot of anxiety around it when you've worked so hard to build something. Um, you're afraid to lose what you've gained. But um, but when you take a risk for Jesus, it's uh, it's a very exhilarating mm. um, experience that will restore your awe of God wow. and your realization that um, that He's the one who holds you, He's the one mm. who keeps you, He's the one who leads you. Um, and there are times we forget that because. We have a lot of very talented, mm. smart ministers, and that's an awesome thing, but it's not so awesome when we lean on those things instead wow. of on God. Wow. So you may need to, God may just be calling you to take a risk so you're not leaning on your own understanding. That's huge. Wow. So yeah, just bring us to a moment where you say, hey, it's either going to be God or it's not. <laughs> right, and right. I've really got to figure this out, but I'm sure when you find out it is God, it's the most exciting journey and say, yeah, Steve, thank you for bringing that clarity. I mean, even that, that other comment of stop, lighten your, no, lighten your load, or slow down to say that those are all effective strategies for the particular moment we find ourselves in. And so 
I hope that that connected with somebody to say, mm-hmm. this is maybe what God has called me to do in this, in this moment. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us for the episode. Um, if people want to connect with you more, if they want to ask questions, they want to connect with you, what's a good way for them to reach you? Um, any way they want to through Facebook Messenger, you can email me, uh, caperev at yahoo.com. All right. We got to get you on Gmail, man. Come on. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. So if you want to keep the conversation, make sure you reach out to Steve. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, thank you so much for being with us today, Steve. God bless. Thank you. Thank you.